welcome to Blaze Pod. My name is Ben. It's Monday, eleventh of November, and joining me once again, as always, it is Andrew. How are you today, pal? I'm not doing bad. How about you? Yeah, I'm very good actually. Do you know, I was I was thinking. Um, I, I guess I was thinking back to the start of this season um, when when you kindly signed your contract to be permanent <laughs> guest colleague collaborator of Blaze Pod. <laughs> That we were going to have some tough times this season, and there were going to be mm. some podcasts where, you know, we're going to have to like properly g ourselves up for it a bit. A bit, I think, you know, really, really pound the uh, the coffee before uh, starting to record. Um, as it happens, I've done that anyway. But this, <laughs> this is just because yeah, I'm like drinking coffee. Not, but, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, presumably these days are coming. And I was thinking, you know, we we were pretty cheesed off after the uh, Southampton game, particularly, and a little bit after Liverpool as well. But the Blades just roll on. I mean. What uh, another fantastic performance! I mean, the, the real the real challenge for for me and you, I think, is to stop saying the same blooming thing week after week and try and find something unique to say about it. What what, yeah. else, what can you say about this team at this point? Incredible, I, wasn't it? I listened to Deadbats. I listened to Deadbats podcast. who was uh, notably negative, even more than, and I think I'm negative. And even he was saying they were brilliant. So it just goes to show that we've just we've hit a glass ceiling, haven't we? <laughs> like you know, we sort of. Every, I've not seen any fans sort of complain at all about that performance. I, I, thought, I think it's the best so far, given the opposition. Every time I think this team has peaked, I think, like Burnley last week, you think we're not going to get many better performances than that in the Premier League. And I thought we'd better it again. We didn't get the three points, but we should have in any other game. So, yeah, I, I can't set my hat off to him. And, and the way they came back after the VAR stuff as well, mm. I think that can't be underestimated. There's, there's just honestly so much credit this team deserves and all these challenges that they keep overcoming. You know, 2-0 down to Chelsea, goalkeeper dropping one in the net against Liverpool. All right, we didn't come back in that game, but then, you know, Henderson turns mm. in a, a good performance at Watford uh, the next game and the team, mm. you know, basically... We did create chances against Liverpool as well but, after that, as well. That is true, yeah. But yeah, we just, yeah, it's incredible resilience, and particularly in this one game with, you know, things, things going against us a little bit. But I mean... So we're we're a third of the way through the season now, essentially, um, having played twelve games. Um, uh, we're obviously fifth in the league. Do, are we actually the fifth or sixth best team in the Premier League at this point? What do you think? I've, I'm absolutely no idea because every time we come up against someone, Liverpool, we have always not played City yet. Played Tottenham away. I was looking at their. The, what got me worried about the. I think we both talked privately about this, didn't we? About we thought this might be the one where we actually, you know, don't get any points from it because as much as Tottenham's had a mediocre star I mean I just just from doing the view from or looking at the players they've got mm. and the players that they had on the bench who they wanted on the bench they had like Deli Alli on the bench and you know and uh, yeah, Christian Eriksen and all these people that, that the fans were picking and it made you realise just how, how good of a side they are but obviously we've gone there and we've not just nicked a point like oh you know smash and grab that's a great point we, we dominated the game I thought pretty much yeah, we we played very much on the front foot from the word go, um, and yeah, never. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really feel like there was ever a stage where we were hang, hanging on. I mean, all right, at the end, you know, you got the big, the big kind of rally from Spurs, as you kind of mm. expect. You know, they chucked on all their subs and what have you. But you know, we were never really in danger. It's another game that's gone by where Henderson's made what he's been stretched maybe twice in the whole game. I mean, we go through the individual events, but you know, just as a just yeah. as a kind of measure. I mean, you look at that. That Spurs team that started, I mean, yes, they have had some issues this season and it's clearly not clicking for them, but that front four, Son, Lo Celso, <laughs> Ali, Kane, 
that is a yeah. fantastic front We're four. talking literally, I mean, probably over £300 million of a players there now in this market. Probably. Harry Kane had one shot in 90 minutes against us. One yeah. shot. That is just remarkable. And, um, yeah, as you say, you know, it was, it was a, a great performance from us. We're fifth in the league. We're one place behind Manchester City, just as everyone expected. Yeah, catching him up. Catching him up, that's the next game. <laughs> Just what everyone expected to be saying uh, before the season kicked off. I was sandwiched in between Man City and Arsenal, which I, I, I can't stop. We both say, like, I'm not looking at the table, it's all about the points. If you're not, if you're a Sheffield United fan and you're not looking at the table now, then, you know, just go and do it because yeah. it's never going to happen again. I keep saying, imagine last week I said, this is probably the peak six. We're now fifth, so, yeah. you know, what? if I keep saying, this is a bit good it's going to get. Could be fourth week after next or whatever, so... <laughs> So I've, uh, I pulled this from uh, Richard Sutcliffe's article on The Athletic this morning. Uh, not yeah. since November 16th, 1974, have we been this high in the uh, the Football League pyramid, apparently, which is a long time. <laughs> you know, it certainly, uh, certainly predates very, me and yeah, you. Very much for our time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, some other stuff. Uh, we're obviously not lost away from home since January, as we've said many times. This is now a 15-game unbeaten run, which is equal to the club record, which was set in April 2009 under uh, Mr. Kevin Blackwell, I believe. Uh, although yeah. the, the differences yeah. were actually going out and trying to win these games instead of just, you know, <laughs> draw them nil-nil, basically. And we've played, what, six of those games in the Premier League as well? Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, against other against teams in the Championship who ended up getting promoted with us or being in the playoffs as well. So, mm. yeah, again, not, yep. a, not a powder puff schedule or anything like that. Um We've gone behind in four of our six away games and stayed unbeaten and got eight points from those six games. Um, this is apparently mm. the first newly promoted side to be unbeaten in the first six away games in 25 years of the top flight, which is, again, pretty darn impressive. Um, and then I had a quick look at this as well. So in the Premier League, there's only us in Liverpool who haven't lost away yet this season. In the big five leagues in Europe... Uh, there are only four other teams that have not lost an away game this year, and they're all in Serie A. So, you know, keep your Real Madrid, your Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmunds, <laughs> whatever. Then Blades are in great company at the moment. Amazing. We've also we've also lost the, we've also lost the same amount of games as Manchester City this season. <laughs> Grief. Yeah, oh, <laughs> not not good for Man City. I think. I mean, yeah, just this is the return. No, to... but, yeah. Go on, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it's just incredible, though, that obviously we're talking about Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, not Newcastle, Norwich, Villa, where, you know, who you thought were going to be at the bottom. Mm, I know, it is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, to return to my slightly tongue-in-cheek question, I mean, we're, we're probably not the fifth or be- sixth best team in the league, or at least we won't be at the end of the <laughs> season. But right now, I mean, you know, we, we deserve to be where we are because all these other, you know, these other... Heavy hitter teams are either going through transition or or should be going through transition. If you look at Arsenal and, and Man U, I mean, we'll come on to this much later yeah. on in the podcast, I think. But yeah, we you know we are playing like a, a mid-table team, but we're kind of making the most of the fact that some other teams just basically don't have a clue what they're doing, and yeah, we're able to kind of take yeah. advantage of that and go to a team like Spurs with all that individual talent, and I would say play them off the park, but. You know, fully deserve a draw, and if if we had indeed won this game, 
Um, I, I very much doubt that Pochettino would be saying, "Oh, we were really unfortunate to lose today against Sheffield United, who you know didn't create much or anything like that." So, well, I think the Spurs fans on the view from after sort of summed up. You don't know, you don't you don't get that sort of praise from an opposition fan, hmm. opposition fans, unless you have genuinely played well. Because we're all the same. We all say, "Oh, they were there for the taking." We didn't see any of that from the Spurs fans. They were genuinely impressed. So, you know, I can't praise that performance enough. I thought it was fantastic on Saturday. Yeah, it really was. So, I mean, we, yeah, let's talk about... Uh, we'll talk about the game specifically then. Um, I was sat in the stadium, but unfortunately not with the Blades fans, which was a a novel experience. I've only done that once before, and it was at Exeter in 2012, I think. <laughs> so it's a, a, slight, different. a slightly different experience um, and a, a, a happier a happier outcome, even if we we drew that game with Exeter as well. That was the uh, the season we the, the Chet Evans season. Let's just oh, that one uh, Wednesday went up then that day. It uh, was James yeah. So. Oh god, I didn't even. Do you know what? One United game. I think in the last ten years there, I didn't even follow. I didn't want to know anything about football that day. I sort of switched off everything, and at the end, just sort of switched on and like, yeah, Wednesday's up. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm not totally sure what compelled me to go to it. To be honest, I guess, I guess it was just the. Uh, I'm talking about Exeter, not Spurs. Um, <laughs> I guess it was just the like, what if uh, the miracle happens and uh, and and you can be there and you weren't there. So, yeah, that was that yeah, was yeah. that was one. But uh, yeah, this was a slightly different experience. Um, Spurs Stadium is extremely impressive. Got to say that. Um, yeah, just uh, definitely one of the you know best football stadiums I've ever been to for sure. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it, it was an interesting experience, kind of. Uh, Staying sat on your hands, I suppose. I mean, so have you ever sat with uh, the opposition fans at any point? The only time I've done it is we got tickets to when we played Huddersfield in the playoff final. Oh. Um, we were sat. We weren't actually sat with their fans. We got VIP tickets. We I don't know. God knows I got old of them, but we ended up in the VIP bit, and they were sort of half blades, half Huddersfield fans. And the game was that boring that we were both just saying we're both rubbish. You know, I mean, last time <laughs> neither of us deserved to go up here and all this. And obviously with the pens and stuff, and it wasn't as gutting as as a lot of other people maybe had because you know they, they, they were really fine about it, the Huddersfield fans and they shook his hand and said you know it could have gone either way and all that but I've never actually done it for a league game I don't think yeah it was it was novel I mean you could definitely tell uh, there was a, a you know ripples of panic going round the home fans mm-hmm. at sort of how how much play we were having how many kind of second balls we were winning you know, O'Connell bombing into the penalty area a few times, the chances that we had, there was definitely like a, a you know, people were sort of looking round at each other like, Whoa, what's going on here? How's, how's this happening? And um, yeah, that, in some ways, you know, while it is not, uh, obviously not as enjoyable as being with the away fans, that was quite gratifying, I think, kind of experiencing that first Yeah, I think I'd have liked to have experienced that. So just to see what the initial reaction is. I watch a lot of vlogs of the teams have played with, mm. obviously, fans in the stadium. You don't really get the same view as actually being sat with them, obviously, but it's good to see what they're saying as the moment of the game's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I saw the team from Spurs, uh, particularly defensively, I mean, a definite sort of... Well, I don't want to say like an intake of breath at their attacking side because that's kind of what I uh, kind of mm. what I expected to see, but... That defence, I mean, I definitely thought, you know, that is uh, that is vulnerable. There's players there. I mean, obviously, Gazaniga is a perfectly good good Premier League goalkeeper, I think, yeah. but it's not the first-choice goalkeeper. They dropped Danny Rose for Ben Davies, who 
is also perfectly competent, I think. But again, not you know, not a huge. I don't think he'd be in the conversation of like the best left backs in the Premier League. No, really. no. All I think he's just a he's a seven out of ten left back in the Premier League, which is not a, an insult to him. He's just not one of the best. Yeah, uh, Aurier seems to be having a bit of a, a bit of a mare at the moment, and they, yeah. you know, as bad as Trippier was last season, that looks like a real step down for them at the minute. Well, it's, sorry to bother, but it's funny that I was reading after listening after to Shaka Hislop on ESPN, and he was saying every single one of those Spurs players are getting the Sheffield United team, and I know that's a. <laughs> I cut, they were trying to compliment us on how well we played. I disagree because I think Stevens and Baldock are better than both of those two at the moment. To be honest. Oh right! Oh wait, you said it the other way around. Sorry, he was saying that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, they, sorry. All, sorry, no, yeah, none of, sorry, none of the Sheffield United players are getting the Spurs team. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I, th- sorry, I think yeah. I'm, I think I misunderstood yeah. what you were saying. Rather than you said it wrong. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, but I honestly think Baldock and Stevens. I think Stevens in particular is definitely a better player than Davis, but. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I would, without hesitation, take any of our back three and goalkeeper over their two central defenders and goalkeeper. Um, Correct. I, yeah. I mean, Sanchez, mm, not sure. Eric Dyer's career has, I think, stalled is probably a, probably an insult to cars, to be honest. His, his, his career I think that well was the worst first. single performance. Sorry, the worst single performance against us this season, I thought, from Dyer. I thought we were absolutely appalling all match. He gave the ball away 22 times, which is more than anyone else on the field by about half, I think, and he's a centre-half. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good, is it? I mean, yeah, this kind of leads into yeah events of the game. I mean, he, he gets booked in the second minute, I think, for absolutely clattering mm. Baldock. I mean, we, we just flew right out of the traps, yeah. didn't we? And Yeah, he, he gets booked in the second minute. He could potentially have picked up a second yellow card, uh, probably what was that like yeah. twenty minutes later, something like that. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They took out Musa on the counter attack. I mean, I, I think that probably was the right decision. But you know, if he doesn't foul Musa, I think he beats him to the ball, and then he's he's gone, isn't he, with thirty yards of space in front mm. of him. So could have gone either way. But yeah, we, we well, if he'd not been booked, he's ascended on. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So. Um, oh, sorry, not ascending. Sorry, if he'd not been booked, he's booking. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we won that free <laughs> kick. Mixed up. <laughs> we won that free kick. Uh, Fleck whips it in. Norwood has a really good shot from the edge of the area, which um, which gets pushed away. Um, there, there was so much, I thought, just good play from us around their penalty area. I mean, Fleck had that good low shot, which which again come from um, Musa and McGoldrick linking up, as we saw them do really, really mm. well um, against Burnley. Lord Lundstrom almost got in on the act again, the goal-scoring act. He smashed that shot against the post. Um, and he he almost got on the end of another cracking ball from uh, Stevens as well, didn't he? Where he sort yeah. of... Just brilliant from Stevens again. Great through. I mean, it was a difficult chance for Lundstrom, that one. It just bounced. I mean, at the time I was saying he's got to finish that or get it on target. But it bounced sort of... It's going right... I think he hits it with his knee. Lundstrom, because it's a weird angle. It's one of them you don't know really what to go with. But, yeah, unbelievable ball. Yeah, it really was. I mean, that shot uh, that hit the post, I mean, it, I, feel, I think that came from... I think it was from a recycled free kick, wasn't it? But it was. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. like uh, O'Connell's in there, kind of, you know, <laughs> causing havoc as he tends to do. And, um, yeah, great yeah. shot from Lundstrom. You know, keeper, absolutely. We had nine players in the box from that. Did we really? That's yeah, epic. nine players. They pointed out on match of the day. Oh, nice one. Um I thought they, I mean, they were just shooting from long range, really, weren't they, Spurs? There was only, there was only really that chance for Kane where um, it, it kind of, it was a cross from Aurier, I think, and he miscontrolled yeah. it. Well, I don't know, miscontrolled is a bit harsh, but he wasn't able to make a shot out of it, if you like, and it kind of just hit him, didn't he? As Egan was putting him under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
so so I'd had the you know a few beers to settle the nerves before the game, obviously, uh, without going too far into the um, could potentially out myself among the Spurs fans kind of territory. But I didn't <laughs> I didn't feel in huge danger in this game. I, this is where it was like a slightly weird experience. It was almost like trying to will myself to be neutral. So. You know, I was kind of like, I will, uh, I will applaud when it's polite to do so, and I will stand up when everyone else stands up around me. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I don't know, I didn't hugely feel like Spurs were going to score unless it was something, you know, brilliant out of nothing. And yeah, is, is that? Did you have the same kind of feeling, or, or what? Yeah, in the first half, I was not in any way. It's the most relaxed. I, I actually said about thirty minutes in, I said, "This is the most relaxed I've been all season watching United because." We wasn't under. I mean, they had a few sort of little bits around the area, but as you said, there were no chances created at all. What you'd class as a, oh god, we were lucky there. That were close, you know. Mm. I, I, the first half in particular is, like I say, I would. I, it's the first time I've watched a match sort of like at home, laid back on the sort of sofa. Yeah. <laughs> but normally I'm like at the edge of my seat. Look, I just, I really did think we were completely in control. Even if they'd have scored, I'd have fancied us to come back if it were that early, to be honest. I mean, that that was another thing. We were creating chances. It wasn't that we were defending in the way we did against Everton. We were actually the better side. So even if we had let one in, that sort of confidence we'd get back into it was there anyway. Yeah, for sure. They had, I think probably the most... I think the only point where I thought, oh, this is going to be a goal, there was uh, there was a pullback to Lo Celso as he sort of ran into the box and he, he put it, put it wide, wide first time. Yeah, it was... A pretty good chance, but not a not a ridiculous one, I don't think. Um, so that leads us into the second half, which is, uh, <laughs> I suppose, where most of the action <laughs> took place, I guess yeah. you could say. So um, I just want to check how good a chance that was for, for Lo Celso, actually. On the, well, old... on, the, uh, on, the, on the first half thing, the only problems I had was, at half-time, I said, there's no way Tottenham can be as bad as that in the second half. And... They probably were, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, if anything... Or as good as we were, sorry. Not, I'm not, I don't want to you know, take away from our performance, but I did think Tottenham would probably get a, a hold of it in the second half. But I thought we started the second half like an house on fire again. We really did, yeah. So that Lo Celso chance was actually a pretty hard chance. It's uh, 0.09 XG, so it's, uh, yeah, gets gets scored like 1, yeah. in, one in 10, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, not as not a, not a gimme by any means. Yeah, into that second half, um, Moose with an incredible sort of, you know, played it by McGoldrick, the run and the spin. Mm. And then it, it looks like he shoots through the post. That's how this, close it is. I've watched the highlights four or five times on different sort of channels or whatever. And I still think it's going in every time. I can't, yeah. I still can't work out how it's gone wide. It's, you know, I, I just can't, at the time I jumped up and I'm like, what? that surely went in. But yeah, unbelievable play from him again, though. That's, that's what, he gives us that what none, no other striker we've got can do. What he did on that and that run and that shot. I can't believe it. It cost ten million. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I can't believe we were saying he was fifth choice striker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, he, he legitimately was, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just I, I want to talk about McGoldrick in a bit more detail in a while. But yeah, yeah. that that partnership. I mean, it just it, it it looks so good. I mean, both of them already seem to have such an understanding. I mean. The amount of times one is like laying it off to the other, or you know, one is one starts to make the run as soon as the other one gets the ball, and yeah, particularly particularly the moose. I mean, just just fantastic. I, I, I'm I, I said it last time, but I'm just it so excited watching me. him play. It annoyed me reading a few comments from Spurs fans and neutral fans what I've seen about the match, and a couple of pundits as well say 
if Sheffield United had a better striker, you know, there could be challenges. And I'm thinking, yeah. did you watch that performance of those two? Because that was a, as a good a centre-forward performance in terms of pressing and creating chances and causing problems that you're going to see. I mean, yeah. we do need probably need a bit of backup. Well, if Robinson and McBurney, you know, we need them to improve as people to come on and, and cause the same sort of problems as McGoldrick and Moose has. But I can't understand how people are looking at that team and thinking the problem is the two strikers because I thought they were the best two players on the pitch. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm trying to think if I can possibly disagree with that. And I, I could probably throw a few more candidates in, but it's, it's a hard one to disagree with. We're not missing chances. It's, it's not, I mean, you could maybe... No. Well, I don't think you can make this case, but perhaps you would make the case that uh, another striker who can create something out of nothing is going to be more valuable. But these two are so good at that. I mean, you know, McGoldrick had a chance where it just opened up for him in the first half. And, you know, all right, it's not a hard save, but he gets a shot on target from 20 yards. The Moussa one we just talked about. I'm just looking now. We're we're only underperforming our XG now by by 1.6. So call it one and a half goals, which is... I mean that's basically normal. I mean, looking down the league, there's you know there's there's very few teams that are um, underperforming by more than that. Watford are an obvious one, which <laughs> is ridiculous. They should have yeah, seven more yeah, goals apparently. Course, yeah. So my point is, you know, even with those McGoldrick misses earlier in the season, we, you know, we kind of we kind of scored the amount of goals that we should score now, and I, I don't. Yeah, it seems to be leveling out a lot from what from what I'm seeing as well. Yeah, so unless we can sign, you know, Youngmin Son or someone like that, I don't, I don't see that that is the answer at all. And it, well, that's if, a, I mean, I, if I think we're trying to get on the co-commentary. Sorry, uh, I think we're trying to get on the co-commentary. Was saying that. Um, I think he said something along the lines of that's what happens when you miss your chances and other team scores, and I get that, but I don't think they were bad misses by any stretch of the imagination. No, I think that's incredibly reductive, to be honest. That's not that's not what's happening in these games. The, the mate, no, it's fi- not at all, no. We're fifth in the blooming Premier League. If there's a weakness, it's still that we don't create that many chances, like rel- relative to other teams. You know, as I say, we're still down, um, what are we, 16th for XG, which is actually <clears> higher, <throat> higher than Spurs still, which is... It's kind of hilarious, yeah. But but, but there you go. Um, so no, I, I don't see that as the issue. So let, let let's move to um, to the goal by uh, by Mister Son. Uh, I name checked him there. Who actually? Um, I thought he was absolutely. I think he was. I'd say he was comfortably their best player. Son. Um, totally agree. I th- I've seen at the time that he was the only one that I were in any way worried about in that game. He's just so lively, isn't he? He really is. He had seven shots in the game, which was. I mean that was almost uh, was almost half of Spurs' total shot count, and you know by far the most on the pitch. He's, he's I, I really like him. I, I, he's one I've been sort of uh, saying for years is like the most underrated player in the Premier League. But I don't think that's a mm-hmm. I don't think that's a valid take anymore. I think he's he's appropriately oh. rated. <laughs> um, so this goal, hoy, it's uh, it's not a good goal to concede, is it? No, um, it's not. It's a frustrating one, as always, by our goals. But, but as good as we are defensively, the goals you let in us... If you looked at a highlights package of the goals we let in, you'd think we've got the worst defence in the Premier League. Yeah, we really would. I mean, where would you... Um, I thought I made a note on this, actually, but where would you uh, where would you rank this among all the goals we've conceded this season? I think probably third behind the Henderson howler. Mm-hmm. The Southampton one really annoyed me because it were there were about four mistakes in one. I put this at third place behind those two. That's a good shout on Southampton, just with the sheer weight of like, why have you not stopped that from being a goal? Um, yeah, yeah, there's arguably four people in that goal. What what could have 
done better and all of them didn't so that's what annoyed me a lot with that one with this one it's basically just a miscommunication at, at worst i suppose yeah it, it, it didn't look good um it looked ridiculously so no. what happened just in front of me um so what happens is steven's kind of it's kind of laying it back to egan it's sort of like a I don't want to say miscontrols it. It's like a deliberate touch, I think, towards Egan, isn't it? Which you can kind of de- debate is yeah, poss- possibly not a good idea. Egan just sort of leaves it. Son nips in. Basham comes across. <laughs> Basham makes a, a half tackle, which unfortunately diverts it underneath Henderson's yeah. legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hend- I mean, looking at the path of the ball before Basham gets his touch, I think Henderson probably saves it if uh, if Bash doesn't make a touch on it but I mean obviously he did the right thing in trying to block the shot oh, course, yeah, yeah, can't but oh so such a soft goal in it I mean Stevens has been magnificent this season um, but yeah I've got to <laughs> got to sort of say that this is this is pretty poor I don't understand our defence I really don't it's it's amazing 99% of the time and yet they still have these like completely weird goals or completely weird moments that lead to goals I think that's the thing and it most of them do seem to lead to goals. I mean, what? I wonder if it's the concentration level because we are so sort of compact and mentally switched on all the game. Mm. I wonder if it is just that sort of. Sl- and obviously, we're in a league now where you're going to get punished. I don't know. I don't want to be too critical because they've been incredible defensively. But yeah, there's these little things. I mean, the Watford thing that really should have gone in, uh, you know, with the open goal a couple of weeks ago. That was just yeah. ridiculous as well. And. Every goal, like I say, if you look at a highlights package, you say, well, these guys can't defend. But we know, obviously, throughout the game, they're the <laughs> second best defence in the league now. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's annoying. But I think with I can sort of live with those sort of individual errors rather than if we were conceding chance after chance like Norwich are due to just poor setup, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, a frustrating... I don't know. I don't know how you felt. Do we, like... Um... You know, oh, that's that's all our hard work undone. That's you know, this game's going to get away from us now. Or did you did you think, well, we we'll just keep we'll just bounce back immediately? And I fancied us. I thought I didn't know if we would score. I didn't say we'll get back in this. I wasn't that confident, but I knew we'd create two or three chances because of the way we we're playing. I don't think that. I think we were so far sort of on top in terms of creating chances and getting hold of the ball and passing well. We were playing well. Mm. I thought we would create chances. Whether we take them or not, obviously you can never say. But I wasn't sort of that's it game over. But how did you feel about it? Uh, I think I, as I say, I was kind of keeping my emotions in check a little bit. But I think I did sort of, you know, internally sag a little bit and just think like, ah, oh, you know, that's that's the difference. Now these will, uh, you know, with their superior forward players, if you like, mm. this this could just, you know, become a. Uh, a game where we look back on and go, oh, we, you know, we were in that, and then we shot ourselves in the foot, and then they just, you know, well, piled I down. felt very similar to that two minutes later, which <laughs> indeed. Well, you know, it kicked off, knocked it around for a minute or so, uh, and then equalised basically immediately. Yeah. So I think it was like two minutes later, wasn't it? Um, yeah. From a great, you know, all the Spurs fans are, are still singing in celebration, and uh, suddenly. There's McGoldrick at the back post sliding it into the net. So how did this come about? Um, obviously, a good bit of play. Ball up, lays it off to Lundstrom. Lundstrom crosses, it's headed away. Good ball by Fleck to Stevens, who, who again, Stevens, a fantastic cross, you know, very similar to the balls that he was putting in against uh, against Burnley. And McGoldrick uh, cannot miss. 
And it's one all and fantastic response, you know, just just a perfect response to conceding a terrible goal, carving through the opposition mm-hmm. and creating and scoring a tap in. And then three minutes, 57 seconds, excuse me, 47 seconds later, accuracy is important in these matters. The goal gets disallowed <laughs> offside. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> now, where to start? Well, here you go. Give, give me your, let's, let's give our top three or top four most annoying things about this VAR call. Where do you want to start? I'm going to jump ahead and say the, the the top one for me was the fact that I genuinely did not celebrate the second goal, the other goal, the real goal, if you want to call it that, Baldock's goal. The first call, goal was, call was so ludicrous for me that I'm sat there thinking, well, that was quite close to the goal. They might roll that out. It got to that. I can't put into words how I didn't jump up when we scored the second goal. I didn't. And I've, I've read a few fans say exactly the same. Hmm. That's not football for me. I, I, I don't know. That's that the worst part for me. I kept the second goal. I didn't get that moment of joy that I should have got. What's yeah. your number one? <laughs> uh, I think I would go with denying David McGoldrick his first Premier League goal as the most annoying thing because I mean we'll come back to uh, we just come back to this in a sec. But McGoldrick again, absolutely magnificent. I mean, I saw. I don't know if it was in your view from or whether I saw it somewhere else, but somebody said we made uh, we made McGoldrick look like Zidane in his prime. And I was like, yeah, you pretty, you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. kind of did. That is basically how he's playing at the moment. And, yeah, uh, you didn't make him look like that, though. That's he's literally how he is played at this particular moment. Yeah, and after all those, you know, all those missed tappings, essentially, from McGoldrick so far this season, and, you know, you and I are very much on the side of, like, well, you know, whilst it would be nice if he scored those goals, his the contribution that he brings elsewhere kind of outweighs the negativity of that. So for him to get that tap in from being in a great position, which, as we always say, is a great skill to have, and then to have it denied, and yeah, that was... That, in a funny way, that was almost more annoying than the fact that it was still... what We were still 1-0 down. I was like, oh, he really deserves that goal, and, you know, the team deserve a goal. It's such a great move as well. You want that great move to count, that to be... You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. to be the narrative, you know, oh, look how amazingly United responded to conceding. We just went, pass, 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 great cross, goal. But it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose I suppose what we have to say is, uh, and maybe, <laughs> well, I've sent you the article on this, but we have to say Lundstrom, yeah. Lundstrom technically is offside by the way that VAR uh, review this, I suppose. His, his toe is slightly ahead of um, Dyer's, uh, it's his head, isn't it? That's the furthest bit back. But this is the stupid. Yeah, thing. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, this is such a such a hard thing to talk about without. Um, I think without just spouting nonsense almost because this we're talking about such fine margins here that it's it is actually yeah, hard. Yeah, you're to trying get... to play devil's advocate. Sorry, you're trying to play devil's advocate for something that is absolutely ludicrous, really. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to describe what happened, but it's like there's such fine margins that it's it's actually hard to kind of lay out what actually happened. I mean, the other daft thing is, um, you know, so the guy that was offside is Lundstrom, who is is not the player who scored. He's not the player who set up the goal. He's not even the player who played nah. the pass to the player who set up the goal. He cro- crosses it from the right, Dyer heads it away, and then it gets recycled. Now, as part of the VAR review process, they have this, uh, you know, it, it, phases of play, essentially, where if there's a goal, they'll go back and review the phase of play. They check every goal, obviously. 
And the phase of play is supposed to reset when they judge that um, the defense has had a chance to like reset, basically, and and you know yeah. ha- had a chance to clear the ball. Essentially, don't don't quote me on that. That's not literally the words. And unfortunately, that is entirely down to uh, the interpretation of the official as to when that new phase begins. It's not like a well five seconds have passed or three players have touched the ball or it's gone 20 metres away from goal or anything like that. It's entirely subjective. And for some reason, they decide that Eric Dyer heading the ball away is still part of the same phase of play. And therefore, it's not a new phase of play. And therefore, the fact that Lundstrom's big toe was a millimetre offside uh, means that, yeah, they still have to give the offside. And that's... that's. I mean, what is that? That's just... It's just nonsense. I think it? the Who... most annoying thing for me... I think the, the, the thing that angers me more than anything with that is... It genuinely felt like they were looking for a way to disallow it. It went on for that long. I think common sense itself should say, we're not quite sure there, to be honest, but, you know, it's that type that nobody would have complained. Spurs wouldn't have complained. Pochino wouldn't have complained. The fans wouldn't have complained. It had never been brought up as an issue on any show because it, they'd not said, well, they got away with this. Hmm. And, he, and he still give it. He took four minutes to, to try and find a way to disallow it for me, and that's what was so annoying. That's not what VAR was supposed to be brought in for. It's, not, it's there to help the referees w- when they've made clear errors for me. With something yeah. like that, that is, you are getting involved and you're using VAR in, in a way that is detrimental to everything what the people are watching and, and what people want to see. Nobody wants to see that disallowed. And that's including Spurs fans who you've everyone's seen after it on radio or if you go on their vlogs or their websites and stuff. They're all saying, I'd, I would have rather have that goal have been given to get rid of this ludicrous thing that every decision has to be spot on. And yeah. that's what I know even more than anything, that nobody would have complained at all if that goal had been given. The fact no. that they've made sort of a rough for their own back by disallowing it and making a big controversy about it. And what another, another thing that annoys me, sorry, I'm on a massive rant, which I thought I might be, <laughs> but uh, I think it was John Moss, weren't it, in the in the VAR, or Mike Riley or Swarbrick, whoever's, involved, whoever's sort of put these guidelines in place, whoever you want to speak to, they should be made to do an interview for me with sort of Gary Lineker, Jeff Still, and whoever who were against that decision. A, a genuine interview and just say, right, how can you possibly defend this? What realistically, it took four minutes, and I, and don't get, you can't get out of it by saying no, it's a work in progress. Just say no, this is a ludicrous decision. Nobody in football thinks this was the correct decision. How can you possibly defend it? And, but they seem to be sort of sweeping it under the carpet. Oh yeah, mistakes will be made, and it's a work in progress. Let's get on with it. It's, oh, it drove me mad this week, and honestly, it's the most angry I've been for ages regarding football. It, it was not... Um, so, let me give you the experience of sitting among the Spurs fans. I mean, they were all booing um, the fact yeah. it was taking so long. You know, people were just getting increasingly restless and, and booing, and yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, obviously, most celebrated the fact the goal was disallowed, but... Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, that's fine. I mean, I've heard a few fans say, "Oh, what, what were they celebrating for?" That's what you do. It's just part of the banter and stuff. I've got nothing yeah, wrong exactly. with that. I think the proof's in the pudding in the in the vlogs and stuff. Half the way through it, if you look at Spurs fans, the people behind people who are doing the vlogs themselves are saying, "This is ridiculous." And like, there's one guy yeah. who's uh, he doesn't support either team, and he goes, "I don't know who he supports, a championship fan or something." And he says, "This is the first time I've experienced this at a Premier League ground. This is ruining it. This is ruining football." That you know, it were. Real end-to-end game, they'd scored. We just scored back. Wow, game on! This is, and then they've just completely sucked the life out of it with this four minutes of 
looking for some looking how, how can we disallow this how can we prove that this technology is that good we can sort of disallow that's what it felt like to me yeah um i mean i will say you know when uh united fans started singing well uh, <laughs> f-v-a-r <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's put uh, all, all initials um you know a load of spurs fans around me you know started applauding uh and some joined in as well mm-hmm. and you know as i say that's that's after a decision that has benefited them and then when they show the um, when they show the sort of screenshot on the on the big screen and yeah, people just like just laughing like, but in in you know not in uh, you know ha ha yeah. have that Chef United. It were it were like, what is this? What is happening? I mean, the other daft thing is it's the minutes as well. If it had disallowed it after thirty seconds, you'd have thought I don't agree with that. But right, he's made a decision. He's stuck to it. Let's go. The, the time it took, how he sat there, not embarrassed. For yeah. me, John Moss in his what is it Stokely Park or wherever it is, I don't know where wherever they sit watching the games or whatever. How he can sort of not be embarrassed thinking, well, this is taking a while. Should we just, you know, get on with it and give a goal? What are you doing? Oh, it's, oh, oh. I'm after Stoke, <laughs> I'm gonna swear. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, the other thing is I've learned today. So the the sh- the sort of image they show with the thick, well, thickish blue and red lines. It's not the image that they use to make the decision off. That's supposed to be a clearer depiction of it for TV audiences and in stadium audiences, if you can believe it. They, they're working on a... The actual VAR officials work on a, a line that's one pixel wide, but then they they put those helpful blue and red lines on instead. So, I mean, just... I mean, you'll have obviously seen it on TV, but they put that picture yeah. up on the big screen. It was on the screen for, like, two seconds, and everyone's like... What am I even looking at? Why am I looking at the guy on the wing? The goal was scored from the yeah. left, and it's a guy... Well, this and... is the thing. Obviously, obviously, we watched it on TV, and as soon as the goal went in, because it was close, because I was cheering, and I said, oh, I could be offside this. It was quite... Because, obviously, McGoldrick did well to get in front of the defender. You're thinking, oh, well... And then it showed you the replay immediately. Goal, that's it. Because he didn't even yeah. show you the lunch bit, obviously, in the wing. I was like, get in. Like, when we were sat down. So, what are they doing here? Why are they taking ages? And it was a good two minutes before they, even the TV realised what they were looking at. Yeah. So and then it shows you this lunchroom thing. I when were this? I couldn't even remember in crossing it. <laughs> is, is this definitely at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Was this last week? <laughs> yeah, what I said. Oh, someone said that. Someone said next week. If you were offside last week, you'll be pulled up for next week's game. <laughs> That'll be the next thing that comes in. But and that's what like and Tony Gale doing the commentary like on on Sky. So I watched the match back after, and he was just saying, I, I don't understand what they're doing. What what are they doing here? And and then obviously it went to the lunchroom thing, and he was saying, All oh, right. Even then, he was he was sort of confused about. Oh, I, I can't do it. <laughs> I just, I mean, okay. So the bottom line is, it's the correct decision. Okay, his toenail was slightly ahead, so technically is offside. Now that does assume that we've gone with the exact point that the ball was played, which is a, a difficult yeah. thing to, you know, determine that exact moment. What with you know the amount of uh, frames per second that um, that cameras can obviously capture. All that kind of thing. Um, and I, I also, I, I want to believe that I'd feel this way if this had been Spurs having a goal disallowed. And, you know, we'd I undoubtedly have to would have. I just. I know, th- I know that for a fact because. Yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry. I, I, know that, I know that I'd be. Because you don't want to see it. I don't care if it's going in against you. You don't want to see a goal disallowed for something. It's not as if they played an offside trap that were, whoa, whoa, whoa that was a good play. You know what I mean? Reward them for that. I, I just, yeah, there's no, I don't want to see that in football at all. And I don't think anybody does. 
No, I mean, the offside law is there, or was brought in to basically stop goaling, to stop people gaining an advantage from, yeah. you know, standing nearer the goal than the defenders. I mean, you just can't say that Lundstrom gains an advantage from... I mean, even if it'd been a yard offside, I don't think you could say it's a huge advantage. There was no one anywhere near him. I mean, I was, all right, it's kind of beside the point, yeah. but... We we have to we're going to have to change the offside law if this carries on. If he, if you know this is how VAR is going to be used, the offside law has to change. I don't know what the solution is there, but this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, as you mentioned, three minutes fifty seconds, I think it was, or forty seven seconds, we scored an actual goal later, which was then checked for another one minute fifty as well. So almost six minutes checking two goals, which is just just the second one when when they started checking the second one, I was I was genuinely angry at that that point, like. Because I was just thinking, all right, if it touches Basham, yeah, that is going to give that offside if that touches Basham. But after the the, the the four minutes before, you're doing it again for two minutes about about such a slight thing. I may have touched his hair to go in. Mm. That was almost as like as 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 more as angering as the as the goal that wasn't given. Because again, it was like, how can we disallow this? That's what it felt like. I don't mean in a corrupt way. I mean in a let's just prove how clever we are. Let's just show how much this technology is amazing. Look, look, this angle here shows that it touched the top of his hair here. And yeah, I, I, and I felt really sorry for Baldock. You talk about uh, McGoldrick obviously not getting his goal. Baldock scores his first goal in the Prem. He's played his career you know, in the lower league. He started at non-league. He supports Tottenham, away at the club he supports, and he, he can't really celebrate because he doesn't know what's going on. No, indeed. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I was very close to breaking cover <laughs> for the second goal being <laughs> checked. So his second goal yeah. in Gomez. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if there's anything more to say about the the McGoldrick one apart from <sighs> something's wrong when you kind of accept that the correct decision has been made, but it still feels horrific. And I don't mean in a we've been cheated out of a goal there. I just mean like no one wants to see that. That's just it's just a waste of everybody's time. It's not it's not enjoyable yeah. in the stadium. It's not enjoyable, you know, sat at home as well. And it's just it just goes against what football's supposed to be. And as you said, you know, it was a... This is my other... And, you know, add this to the annoyance list. United were bloody fantastic in this game. And, unfortunately, all most of us, uh, us included, unfortunately, inadvertently, want to talk about is this ridiculous decision. So, yeah, I think that's... that's what uh, was trying to get away from, weren't he? And his after-the-match interview, he said he wanted to talk how well his team had done rather than the VAR thing, but he realised that that were going to be... I mean, the, the reaction of all the pundits I've seen live, you know, mm. I think most people have seen uh, Phil Thompson's reaction. The guy in BBC final score, he was just sort of... He, he, he sounded like he had his head in his hands saying, this has just <laughs> gone on, this is too much now. I thought he was going to uh, cry, uh, Apparently Adrian Durham, which I didn't hear, my mate listened to the radio, he said that uh, Adrian Durham said, you know, I should walk off <laughs> and not, not continue the game after it. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, but... If everyone's saying that, and everybody's saying it, every fan is saying this is ridiculous. I think even by this point, Monday morning, someone this should have something should have happened to say, right, we've got that wrong. You know, mm. it's we, you know, it's all right. It's a working progress. We've realised that that bit don't work. The offside, we're going to change that. But can you change it halfway through a season? I'm not sure. Well, I don't think you should. But no, and, and this is so. All right, we're going to tin out on it, tin foil out on it for a minute. It's hard not to get a bit conspiracy. I mean, you said yesterday to basically go full on David Icke at this point during the Liverpool I was, game. When you? I saw the Liverpool thing yesterday, I was thinking, right, this is conspiracy. Everything's already been sorted. Yeah, I really did. I, 
So amused why they didn't show replay after the Liverpool goal, the second Liverpool goal. I just couldn't get my head around it at all, and I just thought there's something going on here. <laughs> so let me, let me lay this out. I don't believe there's a global conspiracy in the Premier League to uh, <laughs> to go against Sheffield United or to be pro Liverpool or to be pro whoever. But the thing is, yeah. and this is to come back to what you were just saying about changing, you know, the, the process or something mid-season. The way it's presented makes it really hard not to have those thoughts because. Mm-hmm. I watched I watched that Liverpool City game yesterday, and they showed one replay of the goal immediately, uh, the Salah goal, and I was immediately like, "Whoa, he looks offside." That's like this is probably going to get disallowed, isn't it? And then we didn't see a replay for twenty five minutes, something like that, and the yeah. goal was checked in what twenty five seconds, thirty seconds, twenty seconds. And this is what I, yeah, this is what we're unbelievable about. It. And and I'm sat there going, "Now, can you can you definitely make that call in twenty seconds?" Um, but you can't make the lunchroom call in twenty seconds. I and, and you know, so as somebody, I'm not. I don't want to spout a conspiracy. Here. This is just me. You know, you know the the sort of thoughts that spring to mind. I suppose like. Mm. If somebody said, like, lads, we, we can't have what happened at Spurs yesterday, you yeah. you know, try and make these decisions quickly. They did it with the um the handball uh, just before the first goal for Liverpool as well. Yeah. You know, that was that was yeah. a very, very quick review as well. And you just can't help but having those thoughts that maybe they're just you know kind of but doing it on the fly. That said, the, Man- the Manchester United game, I don't know if you saw that. I mean I'd like sort of listening to that in the background as we're watching um Wolves and uh, Villa. The second Man United goal, well, I think it took two and a half minutes for that to get allowed after mm. because they thought there might be a handball for Mario Maguire. I watched it twice, three times, and there wasn't. And, and if there was, it, it's so minor that I don't think, again, no one had complained about it. It's, and that took two and a half minutes. How did that take two and a half minutes on the same day that the Liverpool one took 30 seconds? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it is maddening. Like I said, and you know, maybe they maybe they will make a change. I mean, we we talked a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, the very high bar for VAR decisions suddenly looked a lot lower. There was that weekend where suddenly, you know, five or six decisions got overturned after hardly any being overturned for the whole of the season up to that yeah. point. And you sort of think like, mm, have they have they decided they're going to change this? And yeah, this is you know, I, I just like some transparency, I guess, and. Yeah, maybe there's something that can be done of like explaining decisions in in real time, where you can hear the officials kind of uh, kind of discussing it, and you know how they arrive at their process and uh, arrive at the decision rather. But I don't know. I don't know what the answer is apart from can we not just go back to what it was like last season? Well, this <laughs> is it. I mean, we we were both massive defenders of VAR this season before um, we we said obviously it worked okay. I think in the Women's World Cup on the whole, there are a few minor things there. You think, well, I'm not sure about that. The World Cup before, people forget that VAR was that was fine. It, it was used in that World Cup, and I don't remember much controversy. Certainly not what we're seeing now, but. If, if, it's, if it's between how VAR's working at the moment and not having it, I'd rather not have it. And that's from someone who was a massive adv- advocate of it when it first came in. Yeah, I think, yeah. They, I mean, we talked at the start of the season of, like, if we'd had VAR in the season, we were last in the Premier League, we'd almost certainly have stayed up because there was, you know, some proper yeah. funky decisions with, you know, like the penalty at Old Trafford, Tevez... Yeah. Uh, Tevez scoring a goal from an offside position that, where it didn't even cross the line anyway. <laughs> Those kinds yeah, of things. yeah. But um, yeah, God, sorry, we've talked about this for ages, which is it's so frustrating. So I wanna, it's I wanna... the big topic of the, of the week, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I need to get some thoughts off my chest, I guess, with this one. So I, I apologise if yeah. people are bored of VAR. So we that happened, uh, and the game goes on. And United yeah. get a deserved equaliser that actually counts. And 
what a move this was. I mean, I, I presume you've seen the uh, the clip of it on United's Twitter at this point. Yeah. 23 yeah. passes. Uh, I think we had the ball for 70 seconds or so in this move. Just some, I mean, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to watch. And it starts with uh, Henderson yeah. rolling the ball out and then it gets worked from side to side. You know, we're, we're sort of probing with uh, with Norwood, with Lundstrom. It goes to McGoldrick a couple of times. And then finally, up the tempo, McGoldrick just dances away from Winks, plays a one-two with Fleck, lays it out to the wing to George Baldock, who, uh, who crosses, and it uh, it floats into the net. Um, I mean, you mentioned Basham there. How, how satisfying yeah. is that? This is completely from open play, and the man who's almost getting on the end of this cross is uh, is our centre-back, Chris Basham. Um, well, and it floats into the net. I saw Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I saw Spurs fans saying, oh, this is not a good move, it's just sideway passes. They totally overlook the fact that these supposed sideway passes are, are, are people going out of their own normal positions to create yeah. spaces that lead to Basham basically being in the six-yard box. That's yeah. what was so great about the move, the fluidity of it, McGoldrick yeah. dropping deep, Basham bombing down the right, you know, Baldock almost bang next to him. That was what was incredible about that move, I think. And the best thing about it for me was that that happened, happened all the way through the game. Hmm. It just think, so happens that the final ball may not be the best or we missed a chance or whatever, but we were doing that all match. I think that's absolute nonsense to say, oh, look, they're just sideways passes. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> it goes from the goalkeeper to your yeah. net. We're, we're like, it's patient passing. I mean, that's what I really, really liked about it, watching it again. There's so many times where it, it you know, it goes to Norwood or it goes to Lundstrom and, you know, they sort of have a look and it's like, oh, no, it's not It's not actually on. We're going we're gonna to recycle back to the middle you know, and try and push in a different direction. As you yeah. say, McGoldrick touched it a couple of times in the move, but eventually he sees, hang on, there's an opportunity for me here if I just sort of drop my shoulder, go away from Winks, and then suddenly I've opened up the whole pitch and uh, and away we go. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a fortuitous finish to say the least, but a very, very yeah. deserved goal. And then, yeah, so I mean, not to, not to harp on VAR again, but were you just like, well, I'm sure this is going to be disallowed as well? I did. We were, none of us jumped up and, this is what I hate most about VAR from a fan experience is that it went in and obviously, it, what, did it come 10 minutes after or something like that, the, the disallowed goal? And you said, well, how can we be... We went mad for the first goal. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, sort of, it deflated me that much. That, and then obviously it showed you the replay and I saw Basham and I thought I thought he touched him at first and I'm thinking, he's going to disallow it because this is just what's going to happen. This is This is like, it's just one of those games that's going to be... It's, it always seems to happen with United. Like there's a massive, massive global thing that happens against United <laughs> that <laughs> everyone talks about, but it never goes in our favour. We're never the like represent, yeah, recipients of it. But yeah, I, I mean, did you? What? What? How did you find? I, I definitely think the the crowd were more muted for the second goal, just yeah, judging by the pictures. I, I kind of got that impression from the uh, from the far end as well. I mean, I was just. Uh... As I say, it was very hard to not be like, well, I'm sure this is, you know, very vocally like, oh no, somebody's toenail was offside. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be disallowed. Um, and, I, you know, then it, sh- it comes up on the screen again, checking goal and stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, flipping heck. But then, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. like you, I mean, I just couldn't react really. I mean, not even a sort of like, you know, fist pump or anything like that, but and that's what's wrong for me more than anything else. If if that's going to take, if we, I don't mind if it's ten, twenty, thirty seconds or whatever, because you 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 not let yourself go to that degree. If you know what I mean, I'm all right with that. That's just like an offside call. If it's going on for longer than thirty seconds, I really think it's taking away the main thing that people go to matches for. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I'm not telling myself to react that way. I mean, I had it at Everton no. earlier this season. It's just like. 
you're just sort of going, oh, well, it's not going to count, so yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, I did, this occurred to me. Like, I feel like when we score a goal now, uh, it, it feels more like we've scored against VAR than uh, <laughs> than against the opposition, you know, in yeah, terms of like... Because yeah. I, I think, because, you know, we don't have any... I, I don't really feel yeah. like there's many teams we have a rivalry with this season, uh, and maybe there's not been any games that have had... I don't feel like we've had many games that have had much of a, a sort of needle to it. I'm not saying they've all been polite yeah. or anything like that, but... You know, there's not been like a you know in your face kind of uh, kind of moment too often. I don't think so. It almost feels like yes, when we score, it's like right, take that VAR, disallow that one. And <laughs> what yeah. a bizarre feeling I, that I, is. I think a lot of teams feel like that. I mean, for, oh yeah, it's not, instance, not, not specific have, to us. Yeah, Tottenham's have three decisions going in the favour from what I can, what I've seen. There's two handballs, one against Watford, the the one against Everton last week, and. I can't remember the other one. They had another one going the favour. Leicester, when it, I think, oh, no, in, went against them. No, that, that, that's what I had to say. But the Leicester one went against them. So it's not as... I don't think there's any corruption or cheating. Liverpool last week against uh, Villa, obviously, Firmino's armpit being offside. I don't think they're deciding for anyone or anything like that. So I think every single club in the country by the end of the season will hate VAR. <laughs> yeah. There's no, only Southampton so far. I mean, although they had a man sent off, didn't they? Uh, that's true, yeah. That was, that was their VAR. Yeah, Karma, I'm not going to say. Karma. Yeah, they deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> that have been coming. Um, so yeah, we we got we got a deserved equaliser, um, fortunately, which is yeah. Well, as I say, the the least we deserved at that point, I think. Um, Spurs had a, a little bit of a late rally. Uh, I think Son forced a, a good save um, from Henderson. Uh, Mora comes on as well, and he has that shot that. I don't know. I still not. I don't want to discredit uh, England's Dean Henderson here, but uh, this was sort of billed as a phenomenal save. But I, I wasn't totally sure he'd actually touched it in uh, when in from the stadium. I thought it had just gone no. straight over and then they give a corner. But no, it was a good save. I think to it was a fair, good but, save. It was a good if save. It had gone in, I don't think it's uh, a world class one. But yes, I, th- I think we might have been having a, a conversation if uh, if it had actually gone in the net. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we we didn't really uh, have any other threat after that. I didn't think, and um, yeah, the game uh, game just finished a, a deserved one all. Which I mean, to go to Spurs and do that is just absolutely immense. And you know, to like I said, Kane restricted to just one shot. All right, Spurs had seventeen shots in the game, which uh, Son had seven. We had fourteen. They had two big chances to one, but of course that doesn't count McGoldrick's goal, uh, which you know should should probably have. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it should have stood. Um, the yeah. XG was. I think it'll stand 5- next week if it happens. Yeah, potentially. Um, XG mm. one point five to them, point nine for us, which again doesn't count McGoldrick's goal, so you can call that essentially even. So yeah, you, you know we went and matched, and they obviously dominated possession, fifty nine forty one, but the territory was very much in our favour. It was basically the the inverse of that for territory. So a lot of their possession was in their own half, basically. I think they, oh my God, I got to hear, um, 141 passes Spurs attempted in their defensive third, whereas we were a mere 55. So that just shows you when we when we had the ball, we were using it very, very well, getting up the pitch quickly. And yeah, a, a frustrating narrative game, but it shouldn't overshadow from the fact that we basically turned up there and, you know, I would say outplayed them, to be honest, and, and looked yeah. very, very good value for yet another point. Um, Do you remember the Nottingham Forest game when we first came up from the Championship away? Yes. And we lost 2-1, but we dominated. And I think Wilder, after that, said it felt like we'd arrived. And I got that feeling with that one, as well as we've done. Hmm. There's been a few games we've hung on, and there's a few games where we've defended really well. 
for me, that game, it just felt like, we, yeah, we belong here. We just, we just looked so good on the ball. That, mm. that, that to me, it was almost like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, a moment, if you know what I mean, in the in the in the in our, in our season. That that's the game where I felt this is a a genuinely good good Premiership team. Yeah, I mean, I got this for as a note for the end of the podcast, but. Um... I genuinely think I'm going to be disappointed if we uh, if we lose to Man United in our next game. Yeah, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's which is bizarre that, yeah. because I do think we are a good Premier League team, but at this point, um, I want to just quickly sort of uh, focus on a couple of players for United. I mean, I don't want to, I can't not talk about Magoldrick some more. I think, um, like I say, deserve that goal. Uh, most chances created out of all players on the pitch. He does get an assist. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, a floating yeah. cross from ball that ends up in the back of the net. But yeah, he's, you know, he's just, he's like a fine wine, isn't he? I mean, he just seems to be getting better and better. I mean, when you, when you hark back to, you know, this is a guy released by Ipswich two seasons ago and you can really make a case he's our most important attacker now, I think. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely true. I think as good as Moussa has been and he's more... Dangerous, I'd say, probably more more explosive. I think mm. we outdid Zay. He doesn't look half the player, to be completely honest. Or, well, I, I don't imagine he will do anyway. I think because it's it's his sort of guile and it's his sort of possession. How good he is at holding the ball up. How good he is at starting attacks. How good he is even defensively. He's good. He wins a lot of headers defensively and stuff he off does. corners and things like that. His yeah. all-round game, other than his finishing, which we know about, and I'm sick of talking about it. To be fair, because we know <laughs> what we're getting from him. You're not going to get a better striker for the budget we've got because if he could finish, then he'd be worth, even at his age, £30 million. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And I want to give a shout-out to Neil Kemp on Twitter who uh, referred to him as Snake Hips the other day, which I absolutely <laughs> love. Not least because it made me think of Shaun of the Dead, but he is, isn't he? I mean, just the way he's slaloming past uh, much younger, ostensibly more athletic footballers. Like, you know, yeah, well, likes... He got kicked in the first half and we, uh, my mate said, oh, is he limping? Because it's hard to tell. because He walks like with that sort of, of a swagger, doesn't he, like John Wayne? So it's hard to tell when he's injured and when he's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that, but yeah, it was um, you know just everything good about him that in the actual goal that counted then wasn't disallowed by mm-hmm. VAR. You know that yeah. Yeah. just that that recognition of like oh, there's some space here. If I just beat Harry Winks, who's what is he like ten years younger than him, something like that. Yeah, and he you know beat, beats him with a bit of pace, holds him off. He, he, he sort of rides the tackle that uh, he tries to put in on him after one two, and then he's got the. He's got the awareness to lay it out to Baldock and, yeah, it's either, you know, if, if Baldock makes a better cross, maybe we score anyway, basically, from the men that we had in yeah, the middle. Yeah. But absolutely love it. Um, the man who may have scored it, had the cross been slightly better, definitely got to talk about him as well. Chris Basham. Yeah. Uh, potentially, performance. Yeah, I was going to say potentially his best game of the season, I think. Um, led uh, all United players for clearances, headed clearances, defensive aerial duels. Uh, second on the team for ball recoveries after Norwood and third on the team for take-ons as well, which is always good to see. <laughs> but um, there was that, I mean, that tackle on Son at the end. Uh, so this was, this was really close to the end. You know, Son's running through and not only does he make a, I mean, it could have gone so wrong this because the ball sort of bouncing up, <laughs> innit? it? It wasn't really on the yeah. floor. He had to like lift his leg to tackle it. But not only does he win it, he gets up, sprints and stops the corner as well. I mean, 
incredible performance from him on yeah. Saturday, I thought. Really, really I, just I top it, stuff. We all know what he offers in terms of commitment and stuff, but it's incredible that this season, I think, that he's shown what a good actor... Because, obviously, the last couple of seasons, we've been on the front foot a lot of the time, or the last three seasons or whatever. He's actually shown what a good defender is, I think, in the last few games against sort of Arsenal and uh, uh, Burnley and... Um, mm. West Ham away. He's made some really good tackles and really like good positional play and stuff like that. And I think he's showing that he is more than just a blood and thunder, you know, new Bob Booker sort of type. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really really good to see. And I mean, yeah, for a player that we thought maybe we need to upgrade on during the season, uh, yeah, if he just keeps this up, then <laughs> we probably don't. To be honest, um, yeah, yeah. Any uh, any thoughts on Spurs and and their performance? I thought they were really. Put- Do you know what I used Spurs are the last three or four years have been out of all the top teams the one that I've liked watching the most ones that I've sort of cheered on more in Europe and stuff like that because I love they they play a lot like sort of they, funnily enough they play a lot like we did on Saturday they press mm. a lot from the front they 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 try and get up the pitch quick but not in a in a long ball sense but you know they, they, they're probably a little bit more direct than certainly at least City. But I thought on Saturday they looked so sluggish. And I know they had a game on Wednesday night against Belgrade and it must be tiring and stuff. But, you know, they're used to that Tottenham. They they surely must know how to handle that now. And I thought Harry Kane looked really... He didn't look fit. It looked like he did in the end of the World Cup, actually, in the semi-final Mm. against Croatia. We were really poor in that game. Deli Alli did absolutely nothing. I think Harry Winks looked poor when he came on. They just didn't press. They, did, they they were no sort of shape. They were no sort of real. I mean, they had little nice touches and little bits of skill, and some were a, a, non, a, a nuisance. But did, I think you said on the pod last week actually they're getting by by individual bits of quality, and that's exactly what it looked like to me. Yeah, I um, so I, I didn't make it back for the start of the second half. Um, inc- incredible amount of people just watching it on a screen in um, in the concourse. <laughs> um, so I actually didn't realise. <laughs> yes, true. Um, I didn't actually realise Winks was on the pitch until the uh, the equaliser when McGoldrick dribbled away from because obviously came on for uh, Indombele, didn't he? Um, just yeah, at half time, right, I yeah. think. So that was bizarre. Um, yeah, it's a poor but, showing from England. The the England players are like Dyer, Ali, Kane, and Winks. Arguably, yeah. they're the worst four on the pitch. To be completely honest, it's, Dyer is in the England squad, isn't he? Is that right? I, I, I said this to you yesterday. I think he, I don't know. I'm, I've got I've got it in my head that he's no, in the England be. squad, but I don't it want to confirm be. that. But yeah, I, I I don't think he is. Otherwise, that's if he ridiculous. is, then well, I've already bought an island shirt. I'm going to buy an island shirt, honestly. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, like. I suppose to avoid getting questions, you were you were wearing the Columbia shirt, presumably on uh, on Saturday. I was indeed. Uh, I wasn't allowed to go. Wasn't allowed to go to the toilet. Uh, in case, because they thought if I left the room that the match were on, that somehow that had caused some sort of curse. So, desperately needed the toilet for the last 15 minutes of the game, but it worked again. I mean, I don't know if we'd have got that goal if I weren't wearing that Columbia shirt. So It's very true. But then didn't you say you went to the toilet and uh, we brought Callum Robinson on and your mate was not happy? Yeah, my one of my mates is not a fan of Robinson. Well, people think we're not, but if you hear him, you'll know we we sound like we're like the sort of you know his, his mum and dad or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, I went to the toilet uh, with about five minutes to go because I think there was a bit of an injury, and I came back and my mate said, "Oh, well done, Robinson's on now." <laughs> Things are already going wrong. <laughs> I would have thought you'd have learned not to go to the toilet during a United game after last week. I know, I know. I mean. I, 
yeah. I mean, that's what, maybe that would be superstition soon, actually. Like, if, you know, if every time I go to Tyler and it's a home game and we score, I might spend yeah. the, the entire game in the, with my Columbia shirt on. <laughs> sat, sat on the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's probably not the best use of, uh, of your match ticket, but I suppose it's, it's for no. the greater good. Um, all right, mate, let's uh, let's take a quick break uh, and then we'll come back and talk about... Um, well, I want to give out our alternative man of the match, but I also want to talk about a couple of other quick things as well to do with the season so far in the Premier League. All right, a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. First of all, let me hit you with a question. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? I know it sounds extremely good to me. Well, the good folk at Beer52 are offering just that to Blades Pod listeners. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So if, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely the one for you. Beer 52, don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. So sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You can get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Thanks very much, and now back to the pod. All right, let's give out our alternative man of the match then. So this is brought to you by the Denblades fanzine, a sponsor of this podcast. Like the fanzine, this is an award intended to shine a light on something you may not always get the mainstream attention. It definitely deserves. So who or what do you want to nominate this week? Do you know what? I, I, it's the alternative man of the match and the actual man of the match, and it's Didze, because I feel so sorry for him that he didn't get that goal. I just want to give him as many awards as possible. In my head, he's on one goal now. I don't care. Yeah, I agree. Don't, Moose on four. He's on one. <laughs> do not at me telling me that David McGoldrick hasn't scored a Premier League goal because, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not having it. I like that. I'm going on a similar theme, actually. I'm, I'd like to put forward... Uh, well, actually, let me, let me give you uh, an alternative alternative to begin with. Um, a All shout right. for the Dem Blades fanzine itself who were nominated oh, for a... Yeah. Fo- Football Supporters Association Award in uh, I think it's Best Fan Media so uh, or Best Fanzine I think it is the category but yeah that's right, yeah shortlist of four I think it something like that yeah it is yeah absolutely fantastic um, I don't think it's something we can vote on unfortunately otherwise I'd be trying to mobilise you to do it and uh, obviously full disclosure yeah. they are a sponsor of this podcast but you and I have uh, <laughs> written for them many times Sam uh, and, and everyone else involved in it does a does a fantastic job yeah um, and it's you know, there's a there's on a shortlist with some very heavy hitters of the FSA. Um, if you if you look down, that you know the other people are getting award, uh, getting sort of nominated for these things. There's some really you know very big clubs, big names, big organisations involved in it. So yeah, for for the I fans think it's incredible the how they've amazing. done it. it. I think the yeah. first one only came out last was it last year. The first one, uh, maybe the year yeah, before. Probably about yeah, fourteen months. I ago, think the last year, wasn't it? So to get it was like to that a, recognition already. Yeah, I think it was last season, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is uh, amazing, fully deserved. So 
good good to see them getting that nomination. But that just means they they don't need a nomination for this award, which I would like to put forward, Mr. George Baldock, who. Sure. You know, we we talked about after the West Ham game. You know, why uh, why why did he not finish those chances better? You know, those great chances that the team created for him. Um, and then here we are. He's in a crossing position out wide right, and he just slices one right into the corner of there, bamboozling the defenders and the goalkeepers. So definitely go, meant it. Definitely meant it. One hundred percent. Next time he's uh, you know next time he's in a goal scoring position, just just close your eyes and uh, slice. Imagine you're trying to cross it to Basham. <laughs> And slice it into the corner of the net, and uh, you'll be on for a good thing. But yeah, I wanted to nominate him. Become the angriest man in Yorkshire, by the way. Because <laughs> even after the has. goal, he's absolutely furious, isn't he? I thought his uh, I thought his shirt were going to like you know incredible Hulk sort of rip in the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just like as, as the weeks are going on, he's getting more and more angry. By the end of the season, he's just going to be you know wandering around just karate kicking people and stuff. <laughs> Well, it's slightly concerning because, I mean, he just scored. You think that would be a good release of that anger? So, you know, Pinnock, I don't know. What... But then after the game, he gives an interview and he's like, yeah, really good game today. And they're <laughs> like quite softly spoken. Yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe McGoldrick had given him a, a back rub or something. Did you hear and, uh... what McGoldrick said, by the way? See, I've only just read this about an hour ago where uh, you were in the mirror. They asked David, McGoldrick was sort of ushered away uh, from all the reporters after the game. And, and he just turned around apparently and just said, "If I did an interview now, I'd be banned for ten games." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of how I felt sat uh, sat with the Spurs fans, yeah. the the Mourinho. If if I speak, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. So I uh, kept a lid on it and did my did my best to not let the Northern accent come out too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was uh, I, I want to nominate Bulldog because yeah, it does feel like he was denied. Because you mentioned that angry reaction, you know, he didn't really celebrate the goal, did he? No. There was another. It was another one minute fifty seconds or something checking it, and if you look at the you know the replay, he's just stood looking at the ref like, oh come on, seriously, like what are we even looking at here? Nobody's touched it. I've, I've just hit it into the goal. How can it possibly be disallowed? So, yeah, fortunately it wasn't. He got his moment. We got our equaliser. I, I think I'm going to have to stick with as much as I, I love uh, Snake Ips McGoldrick. I think I am going to stick with <laughs> stick with Baldock this week because I feel I feel I owe it to him after potentially being a little bit too critical of his finishing in, in previous weeks. So. And I pronounce his name wrong every week as well, so he deserves to be in for that. So yeah, team, <laughs> Mr. Baldock. Team Baldock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, congrats to uh, George Baldock slash Baldock, depending on which side you want to pick for that one. <laughs> Winner of this week's Denblades Alternative Man of Match Award. Um, as always, check out denblades.co.uk for the latest information and watch this space actually for uh, news about issue four, which I, I gather is coming later this week. Uh, follow them at dem underscore blades on Twitter to get all the latest information on that. Um, all right, uh, some quick things because we, we, we talked about VAR for too long, I think. So, yeah, uh, everyone is, to be fair. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> everyone is, to be fair. I think it would have been a disservice for us to also not talk about it for too long. Yeah. Um, how many Premier League managers do you think are going to get sacked in this international break? You might be surprised by this. None. Ooh, because give me, give, give me your logic. I think I think I'm happy. I'm happy. Oli Gunnar is going to be there for the. Uh, this might backfire for the Man U game. He seems to have got enough results to keep him in a job. Silver saved himself, I think, with the last couple of results. Bruce has got two in a row. The main two seem to be Pellegrini and Ralph at Southampton. Who, mm. uh, I can't pronounce his name, obviously. King Ralph. But I've, yeah, just Ralph. But I've been on both forums, and they both seem to be blaming, like the fans seem to be blaming the 
the board and the recruitment far more than the managers, which suggests that maybe it's not as black and white as it seems. It's I think there seems to be a lot of, particularly at West Ham, there's a lot of like dislike for the actual board and stuff. And I think they've come mm. out today and supported them. Uh, support of Pellegrini, the board. So mm. I, I think he might get another couple of weeks, to be fair. It's actually funny because um, I was looking at what they, what they were saying after the, the game, see if they wanted the manager out. And one of them said, in the press conference prior to the Sheffield United game, our manager said, we know what to expect and described the opposition as a direct long ball team. Sheffield United under Chris Wilder have never been that type of team. And it just makes you wonder what kind of preparation is going in. Hmm. That was that was weird. That one. I, I guess. Yeah. I think we. I think we said, didn't we? It was almost like they're doing it deliberately as a misinformation campaign. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Southampton, they were just saying that they tried to get rid of loads of deadwood in pre-season and they didn't manage it, and that's hampered him in the transfer market. So. Hmm. I think they. Hmm. I, th- I think it'd be a mistake for them to sack uh, Hassan Hootel. I'm, I'm afraid I do know how to pronounce his surname, or yeah. uh, or at least I can have a good <laughs> go at it. <laughs> but Ralph is fine. Um, I, yeah, I think they should stick with him, but mm, I don't know. Uh, Everton, I'm not. You know, Everton's underlying numbers are actually pretty good. They're they're like a, a an actual upper mid table team, to be honest. Yeah, though. I saw a few people saying they're going to be in the relegation, but I'll, I, I, nah, that's not going to happen no for chance. me. Well, no, the thing with Everton is if they were if they were still down there in a couple of games, they would sack Silver and then they get yeah. someone else in, and they've got too many good players. And I know there's been teams yeah. that have gone down before with the sort of we're too good to go down than they did, but. Yeah, I mean the one I have to say, Emery, I'm not going to be shocked if he gets uh, if he gets the boo. He's him and him and Solskjaer are two that um, those clubs should move on from, but I'm not sure. They're oh, going to I wouldn't doubt. Like, yeah, I think I think Everton's the same. To be honest, as well, I think both those three clubs could definitely get a better manager than the ones they've got now. Hmm. I don't think uh, old Fark might be. Uh, no, because they're getting a little bit like Brentford uh, Norwich fans just going on their forums. Like they're like, well, we've got to stick to the model. The model is the most important thing, and all this. And and I don't know. I think with Norwich, it just comes, seems to be coming back to bite them. Um, just a lack of money they spent, and I know they've had loads of injuries. But I think what you said like at the beginning of the season, it's all it's okay trying to outscore teams in the division below. You're not going to be able to do it in the Premier League because there's just teams with better attacks than you. Yeah, the margins are. Uh... And it'd be incredibly harsh if they did sack it. Yeah, no, it would. I mean, but there, there usually is a sort of random, like pretty harsh sacking. And yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. the reason I bring this up, obviously, the international break is is prime, prime sacking time. Um, mm. And obviously, only one manager has been sacked in the Premier League so far this season. I'd, I'd love to know how that compares to previous seasons because I bet that's an outlier. Um, yeah, based on the last one, anyway, obviously the yeah, one. Yeah, I heard someone say it yesterday. And was very surprised by that actually. Yeah, I want maybe I should have pulled that up before but I reckon probably last season many more teams had, had changed manager I reckon. Um so yeah, yeah I I think probably uh I think probably I'd agree with you zero managers but yeah, I, I think I saw something earlier that uh, said Arsenal were you know Emery's got six games to save his job or something like that and I think I think if you're getting to that stage then <laughs> probably it doesn't yeah, matter how you yeah. do in the next six games because something I always find bad. that absolutely hilarious when people say if he doesn't win this Saturday he's going to get fired. It's like well what realistically is one game anything can happen, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I know, exactly. We'll All right, let's say uh, against the boot offside for instance. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know if you if you are making decisions about your manager based on six games then uh, yeah, you're not. Your, your decision-making process is is pretty messed up, and that's probably why yeah. you ended up with a bad manager in the first place. Well, there we go. Um, 
All right, just just quickly to finish then. So uh, I do uh, a thing for the Observers Fans Network, and they've they've given me a a list of things to give a short answer to uh, to kind of sum up United season so far. So not to uh, not to plagiarise all your your brilliant thoughts and creativity, but I wanted oh, to yeah. ask you. I want... <laughs> Everyone's after what... a piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's your uh, your Oliver Kahn tweet. That's, uh, still, Incredible, still that's still going. I got another like seven retweets for that yesterday. Just looked at my phone. And was like, well, oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Somebody's yeah. flicked the uh, flicked the dominoes again, and off they go. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I wanted to just get your your quick hit on these on these categories, uh, and and feel free to answer with just a just a sentence if you want, or uh, or talk at length, whatever whatever makes you. Uh, Makes you happiest. All right, what's been what's been United's single best performance so far? Uh, could be a match or a great half. What made it so good? Go. Uh, Spurs on Saturday. I just think any other another day we could have won by four, and I don't think Tottenham would have in any way complained about it. And like I said before, I think it felt like we truly arrived. Nice. I like that. Um, what about the worst performance, and why was it so bad? That's a tough one, which shows how well we've done. I think, mm. uh, but I'll probably say I'll probably say Watford away. I think it were a good result still on paper. So like it looks even better now for me actually, because obviously you know the, the gap between the bottom three and particularly Watford. But I thought they were really weak offensively in that game, and there were a few. That's possibly the most worried I've been about us uh, in that game. Just purely how little we created. Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to disagree with that one. To be honest, I mean. I do think, uh, and this occurred to me while while watching Spurs, and when you were saying about you know this sort of this this kind of uh, moment of arrival, if you like, of announcing ourselves on the big stage. If, I reckon if you go back and watch our first couple of games uh, of the season now, mm-hmm. it looks a very different team, and it's it, it personnel wise, it's it, it's not hugely. I mean, the only difference is Musa really coming in, but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think uh, th- this is why I'm like, you know, slightly bullish about like huh, maybe right now we actually are the fifth or yeah. sixth best team in the Premier League because you know we are getting better as well. So I think the yeah, Arsenal but- game gave so everyone so much confidence just getting that win against a, a genuinely good big name side, and I think the last you know the three after that is really sort of the confidence. You could just see it, can't you, on Saturday that the confidence is flowing. We've given ourselves a gap as well, so. Obviously, the, the main aim still this season is to avoid relegation, I would have thought, from everyone still. So to be, what are we, nine points clear? Ten, including the goal difference, really. Mm-hmm. It gives you that sort of late, you know, you, you, the, the pressure's off to a little, to a small amount, I think. Yeah, agree. Uh, next one was, how's the manager done and what should he be doing differently? <laughs> He's all right, isn't he? Wilder, he's not done bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not Everything bad. that I've been dubious about uh, with him has been completely right. John Lundstrom shouldn't have been playing, you know, arguably player of the season. Should have had a number 10 in midfield. Well, that just looks idiotic now if we did that. Uh, Freeman instead of, why is he bringing Fleck back instead of Freeman? Freeman's been great. Fleck's probably the most informed midfielder in the league. So everything I've said that he shouldn't do has turned out to be completely right and who would have thought it <laughs> that is probably the worst thing you can say about Wilder isn't he it makes us all look like idiots so often yeah exactly yeah yeah. so yeah but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that over uh, <laughs> I think I'd rather look like an idiot than be right in these particular instances <laughs> yeah. um, uh, next one was why I love dash 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 your tribute to a key player who who would you uh, who would you single out as uh, the key player not necessarily the best player I've touched him but I've talked about him a lot I'm going to say Didza I think it was one of the most underwhelming signings of the Wilder era but I genuinely think he's going to go down as a, an actual club legend 
I mean, how many strikers are history missed? So many big chances. Not really. But they haven't scored a goal. This, well, we have scored a goal this season, but you know, he's not, technically not scored a goal this season. But he's so loved by you know every fan. He's still getting his name sang. That's mm. how good he is to watch. That's how classy he is. You know, that to to miss as many chances as he has and to have such a on paper poor goal scoring record this season. And for fans to be chanting his name like he's, you know, he scored 30, that just shows how good he is and how good he's been in terms of the team, I think, and what he brings to the... To the I mean, I, I'm trying to think, like, obviously we're injured for a couple of games and there's there's no doubt. I mean, I haven't got the, the, the XGs or whatever in front of me, but we are creating far more since he's come back in and that's not a coincidence. Yeah, he's, uh, that was beautifully put. I was just, uh, I was just thank you. Stood, stood here list, <laughs> listening to that magnificent speech about one of my uh, one of my all time favorite players. I think you know, even though he's only played for us for what like fifteen months, something like that. Yeah, yeah, love him, love him to bits, love his muscle flex gold celebration as well, and hopefully yeah, be that's, seeing that's that. So, I, I don't think I can watch that goal back anymore, to be honest, because it's just too, it's just filled with tears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one was how is the atmosphere at your home games uh, better or worse than last season uh, any funny new chance or good away fans so far what do you reckon it's been better than last season for sure I think it's been good to be fair I think we got yeah. voted didn't we the best atmosphere in the Premier League uh, best chance games but- or something yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> if we were bottom of the league, like in December, it might have been a little bit different. But mm. uh, I think the best chant is definitely a uh, Champions of League one. You'll never sing that. That's got to be the uh, the highlight. Fans, yeah. the chant. Really good comeback. Was, I thought that. Yeah, uh, that was. Uh, I don't know that was the best a way. One. Sorry, sorry. No, sorry. Go on. Sorry, I'm just talking. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were speaking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the, I don't know about the best away fans. I've been fairly disappointed actually with the the fans away from home vocally. I don't know about. Mm. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I think the best would probably say Southampton. Yeah, so I mean, you missed the Leicester game, didn't you? I thought the Leicester fans I were did, good. Yeah, um, yeah. My mate said like he was stood. He, he said he couldn't hear any anything from us because he was stood in the upper tier uh, when I were away, and he said he all could hear were Leicester. But obviously, I didn't go to that one. Sunderland in the cup were obviously good, but. Yeah, I've got to go Southampton, I think, in the Premier League. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good call. Yeah, Liverpool fans are pretty disappointing. Um, Burnley fans, they stuck around, I thought. Uh, you know, I, I did think that. that they, yeah. They haven't, they haven't buggered off at 3-0 down, so, you know, small, uh, no, they, small they, amount I don't of think you can touch them. They were, playing, they were playing that badly, I think, that you could, I don't want to judge them on that particular game, but yeah. Yeah. Um, quick one on this what is the Sheffield United way so people always talk about quotes the Everton way the West Ham way what is your club's ethos or identity and is the current side living up to it and I'm just going to jump in with a tweet from uh, well from Dean Smith but not Dean Smith the uh, the, the Aston Villa manager although it could be I suppose but oh, he, maybe, only, has, yeah. he yeah. only has 600 Twitter followers not not <laughs> only that, that's quite a lot Dean sorry but if you, if you were the Aston Villa manager I would expect <laughs> you to have one anyway yeah. uh, unprompted tweeted me this afternoon the Sheffield United way uh, was was what he wanted to nominate for the uh, alternative man of the match, actually. Okay. Uh, but his point was that uh, the way is that, that controversial VAR could have had a quicksand effect on some clubs, yet we keep our cool, and after 23 passes starting from Hendo, we score away from home at the Champions League runners-up. And yeah, that's that's a pretty good yeah. summary of the Sheffield United way at the moment. Heads heads don't drop, and we uh, we respond very quickly. Anything uh, Anything to add to that? 
No, I mean, like, obviously the West Ham way, Everton way, I think it's the Tufty Ball way, isn't it? <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I think we've been at probably 60% Tufty Ball until the last three games where we've had sort of peak Tufty Ball. And if that carries on, then, yeah, I, 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 it's just incredible to watch, isn't it? The last, like, two games anyway. It is. That is the thing. I I, I just love watching us play football. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not just that I love going to United games Every time we get possession of the ball, I'm like, right, what's going to happen here? Something, something good, basically. You know, I'm yeah. going to enjoy watching us knock this around, or you know, a nice bit of movement, something like that. So, yeah, good shout. Um, which figure from the club's past, on or off the pitch, would you most want to bring back now, and why? That's a tough. This one. is difficult because it's possibly it's the so best good. side I've ever seen as a Sheffield United <laughs> fan. I've gone for Brian Dean purely just because I can imagine him as an option alongside either. Uh, McGoldrick or uh, Moose, I think he'd work with either of them. And that is probably the area still where we're not sure about the backups in terms of Robinson and McBurn and what they're going to offer. Obviously, Sharp's getting on a little bit. So we possibly do need another striker to have that sort of three, you know, three hmm. strikers that we can definitely rely on. So I'd just probably go in, but it's really tough. Good shout. I like that a lot. Who would you go uh, for? I don't know. I do, well, to be honest, I've not, uh, I've not had a chance to think about this properly. I just... I don't. I was just wondering, like maybe Alan Kelly, but then it's not like we need an improvement at goalkeeper or anything, is it? It's just. I thought you said I, I can buy it first. <laughs> I can buy. It. Yeah, you could chuck him in as well. I don't know. Uh, someone like. No, I can't. I can't think of. I can't think of many at all. Uh, you know, maybe. Uh, I think maybe Michael two. Brown, but. Don't know. Possibly not in this team, to be honest. No, I say Lundstrom's doing everything that he used to do, really, isn't he? So. Yeah. Uh, all right, penultimate one. How are you feeling about VAR? Well, skip back half an hour and you will find the answer to that one. Um, yeah, and the final time. one was... <laughs> <laughs> final one was, uh, what's been your funniest moment of the season so far, on or off the pitch, involving your club or another? Do you know what? It's possibly Wednesday fans going from saying we're going to get less points than Derby to saying we were going down to saying we were going down the season after <laughs> to going now saying we're not going to get in Europe and also saying football <laughs> itself is rubbish as a game. So I just think that that honestly, I mean, some people say like you shouldn't get bothered about your rivals and stuff, but I think it adds to it. It's all like good humour and stuff. And I, I do love. I think they've definitely added to how good this season's been just how, by the reaction of some of their supporters of you're going down now nah, you're not going to get in Europe <laughs> like what <laughs> you got two months ago it's, like you know just brilliant yeah. loved it <laughs> it is good uh, uh, again I've not overthought this one yet um, but I, I think for me the funniest moment is just sort of uh, looking back on those pre-season predictions and I, I'm not getting uh, I'm not getting arrogant or smug here something could still go wrong and you know maybe yeah. uh, I still would I still would bet we'll finish closer to the bottom of the league than the top of the league put it like that but I, I do think yeah, that, yeah. I, I, do, I think that's more more likely to be sort of 12th or 13th at this point than uh, 17th or 18th so yeah looking back on the uh you know they're not taking the Premier League seriously. They're they're going to end up worse yeah. in this field. And what was it? Steve Nichols said he said we were going to get Steve annihilated. Said we're going to get annihilated if we, yeah, if we carry on with the overlapping centre bar uh, centre. I don't know why no one's asked him about. It. I'd love to see what he's saying now. To be honest, I, I I've think... actually searched him on search for him at Sheffield United, like uh, obviously the, uh, on Google and stuff. I've not seen anything other than that. So I don't know what he's thinking now. I believe he's. Uh, I thought I saw somebody say he's no longer with ESPN. So, 
Maybe they, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> maybe they were like, Steve, mate, that's just nonsense. Just look at these guys. They're the fifth best team in the league, mate. Um, so, yeah, that, the di- dinosaur management stuff. Sorry? Aid Forum's still getting a lot of stake. And he has changed his opinion, which I knew he would because that's what he does. But I think a lot of them have sort of, even Garth Crooks, he had Basham in his team of the week this week and said, like, we're going to stay up because we're good, our defence are, and he's a big part of it. You know, fair play if they're going to change their opinion and say I got that wrong. I think Chris Sutton said exactly the same a couple of weeks ago on six L six said he got it wrong about us, um, like being in a, being the worst team in the league and stuff like that. I don't blame anybody for saying we were going to go down. And if you can admit I got that massively wrong, then fair play to you. But I've got loads of things wrong in my preseason predictions. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, including uh, Man City winning the Premier League, which I was yeah, pretty confident yeah. about until a couple of weeks ago, but. That one looks fairly kaput. Um, all right, mate. Let's, uh, let's... Listen to Stoke winning the championship, which I had. But... <laughs> well, I, I had that last year, um, but then you've, you've doubled down on it this year. But yeah, you, you, you put your you put your neck on the line. I didn't even bother predicting the championship yeah. this season. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, pal. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there then. So we'll talk about Manu next week. But I also want to put out a call for. Uh, any questions or topics that you would like Andrew and I to discuss that you you think that we uh, gloss over or you know just haven't haven't given any any airtime to uh, you know whether that's this season previous season whether it's about um, uh, I guess United or about what uh, what fans of other teams are saying uh, what we should be looking to do for January any predictions for the future anything like that that you you want us to discuss uh, tweet me at BladesPod. And uh, we will uh, we will do that for the the next podcast as well as previewing the Man U game um, when the international Don't ask break how much is... I hate Billy Sharp because he's not true. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, and neither does hate Callum Robinson. I don't hate any of our players. They're all no. all wonderful human beings doing a great job. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's why we're fifth in the league. Yeah. All right, mate. Uh, where can people? Check out your your wordage. It's RoyViewFrom.com or at Panchero on Twitter. Brilliant stuff. So there we go. I, I think, as you say, this was uh, this was indeed a game where I thought perhaps uh, you know we'd have to have to g ourselves up a little bit and kind of. Uh, I thought this would be the hold our hands up and be like, well, Spurs are just better than us. Like you know, what do you expect? Yeah. But apparently not. Apparently we are very very good. And uh, yeah, bring bring on Man United, which is uh, you know not not quite the. Not quite the context I thought I would be saying that. I thought it'd just be like, yeah, right, no. come on then, let's let's bring on that massive game. Whereas now it's like, this is a game we can win, absolutely. Yeah, so. I mean, to be fair, they look decent on match of the day, Man United, in terms of, I think Rashford and Martial's striking up a decent partnership. Obviously, we'll come on to it properly next week, but I think it might be a little bit more difficult than we were a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, you still got a fancy, haven't you, to at least get a draw. I think so for sure. So yeah, there are plenty to look ahead for that one. Um, good luck on getting your island shirt for these internationals. Uh, good yeah. luck to Dean Henderson. Come on, Ireland! <laughs> Big game Henderson, against Denmark. Oh yeah, that's basically a playoff, right? Mm, yeah, whoever wins goes through. A draw's not enough for Ireland, so they've got to win. And I imagine Dids will be up front. I imagine Egan will well, definitely be in because Keo's obviously broke whatever he's done. Uh, and Stevens will be in. So you know, come on, Blades. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, you Irish blades. All right, buddy. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Thank uh, you. And I will. Uh, I'll catch up with you later. <laughs>